Hi, I'm Cheryl and Fenn. Hello, this is Christabel. Hello, this is Michael Horse. Do you enjoy listening to Twin Peaks Unwrapped, the podcast? Have you picked up our book yet? Twin Peaks Unwrapped, the book. That has over 100 cast and crew who have contributed to this book. And it's, I think people really love it. I mean, we also have community commentary where a lot of the community have participated in this. It's just a great book. We recommend you pick it up at bluerosemag.com. Thank you for your interest and for your enthusiasm and, and keeping Twin Peaks alive. I'm Mark Frost, and you're listening to Twin Peaks Unwrapped. I've got idea Welcome to Twin Peaks Unwrapped. I'm your host, Ben Durant. And beside me is... Brian Kazaska. Hi, Brian. Hey, Ben. How's it going? Good. What are we doing today? Today, we will be talking about a film I didn't know existed called Industrial Symphony Number no. 1, The Dream of the Broken Hearted, with our guest... With our guest, Francine, The Lucid Dream. Hi, how's it going? Good. You ready to talk about Industrial Symphony Number no. One? I hope so. Industrial Symphony Number no. One, The Dream of a Broken Hearted, was recorded on November 10th, 1989. And this was at the New Music America Festival. Oh, wow. Twin Peaks and Wild at Heart had not okay. released. But there's definitely elements of Twin Peaks and elements of Wild at Heart in this piece. This is a stage piece. Twin Peaks pilot was filmed between like March 3rd and uh, 24th, 1989. It didn't uh -huh. air till April 8th, 1990. Wild at Heart began filming in August 9th, 1989. So Twin Peaks and Wild at Heart had at least been recorded or filmed. And then we have this piece, this uh, this Industrial Symphony number no. one that is taking elements of mm. these pieces. So that's where I just, I just want to give you some history that's, because it's interesting. Yeah. We see things, we're definitely going to see some music and characters, similar characters to both Wild at Heart and Twin Peaks. So Francine, what do you, you've seen this before. What do you think about this uh, this piece? Wow. Well, I mean, I saw this a while ago. I saw it on, on VHS yeah. ages ago. Yeah. Um, so so I rewatched it recently and I vaguely remembered it. I I, I just did it, you know, remember the uh, the Julie Cruz performances. Mm. Uh, but man, wow. I, I had forgotten that there was the, the Wild at Heart part of it in there. It's like a mashup of Twin Peaks and Wild at Heart together, <laughs> right. like you said. Yeah. Uh, which surprised me. Kind of uh, ties in like everything that Lynch was doing at that time. And mm. later on, I even see like little pieces that kind of give me an idea that, you know, maybe he was getting ideas for Lost Highway even mm. at that point. Wow. Oh, wow. That's cool. Um, but yeah, it's kind of crazy. Um, I, I actually didn't realize that this was a like a live stage performance um, mm. that people could go to. Um, I, I only knew of it at the time as you know something you could you know, get from your if you were lucky enough to have a, a movie rental store that had a <laughs> sort of a cult section <laughs> as right. we did in our hometown. This was recorded twice. It's interesting, and now I wish I could go back in time and actually see it live mm. because I, I think I think as a live stage performance, if you were actually there, um, it would be very powerful because there's a lot going on in it 
Yeah. The movie starts off with uh, not the stage, but we have something that was filmed, and you have these two characters. One's the heartbreaker, and one is the heartbroken woman. The heart- or, or as we could say, it's Lula and Sailor. It definitely seems that, right? <laughs> yeah. I they mean- play those characters. They speak like them, and they feel like them. Where are you? You sound far away. Yeah. Well. What's wrong? Listen. I... What is it? I'm taking off, baby. I can't do it no more. Can't do what? What? I guess I'm saying goodbye is what I'm doing. Goodbye. What are you saying you don't love me anymore? I can't. I mean, I gotta go. You're choking me, aren't you, baby? No, I ain't, sugar. Ain't nothing wrong with you. It's just us I can't handle. I'm saying goodbye. Don't say that. Please don't go. I can't do it no more. I gotta go. And I saw the credits afterwards. I'm like, it's not them, but it's them, <laughs> right? Because I mean, so the, so Wild at Heart doesn't come out to the summer, the next summer. I think it's August 1990. Yeah. yeah. So right, but I was trying to figure out, like, is this actual footage from the movie? Because I feel like they did have something in the movie about him breaking up with her, but I don't know if it's the actual. Yeah. I I thought that's what it might be because, and I was remember remembering what we were talking about when we uh, did the Wild at Heart podcast. Mm. How there there was supposed to be some sort of a different ending. Um, I love that Wild at Heart has probably I, I would say the happiest ending out of anything that I've mm. seen David Lynch do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just you know something to mix it up. You know you're not you don't always expect the horrifying ending. But yeah, I think this must have been some sort of maybe alternate ending of you know Lula yeah, and Sailor's demise that maybe didn't get end up getting used for the actual film. All that. Yeah. I don't know, but that, that's know. what it feels like to me. Yeah. For me, yeah, I watched it and I almost felt like they could have recorded these performances separate because there's a they're in a black limbo-ish background. Mm. They have no you have no context of where they are. Mm. The lighting is mm-hmm. very similar similar on both ends and I watched it like they could have filmed Laura Dern Somewhere where they had her, yep. and mm-hmm. they could have had Nicolas Cage. I, I want to jump in with the theme. <laughs> yes, right. So Francine, uh, what was your? What do you get out of this? What's? I mean, the whole. What's the, the story? What's telling? the storyline for you? For all this? <laughs> I don't know if this is the kind of thing that you really can uh, break down literally. Mm. Uh, I mean, you can always try to with Lynch's of stuff, but I mean, I think the name says it all. I mean. It's, Industrial Symphony Number One, but it's uh, also Dream of the Broken Hearted, mm. and uh, for me at least ties in the basis of everything Lynch does. It's, it's always a dream or dreamlike, something related mm. to some sort of alternate 
fantasy or idea. And also, there's always some sort of sadness and brokenhearted character in it. Well, like the weird, quirky stuff that mm. some people like and some people don't. But I think especially the uh, the broken hearts, which gives it some sort of, you know, humanity, something that everyone can relate to, regardless of whether you're into weird stuff or not. Mm. Yeah. Nicolas Cage character, the heartbreaker, is breaking up with Laura Dern, who is the heartbroken mm -hmm. woman. And Julia Cruz plays... She plays the dream, dream self of the heartbroken broken. woman. So I walked in today and I told Ben, right off the bat, holy crap, that was depressing. <laughs> I, I was like, it was about Laura Dern going through a breakup and all the emotional turmoil you go through and each act represented like an emotion that you go through mm. and by the end you know there's hope the world turns the sun comes up every day that sort of like life mm -hmm. will go on mm. feeling but holy crap afterwards i was like this is depressing right. but she's going she's going <laughs> she's going through this through a dream so yeah. this, this whole stage is her dream yeah they actually had a program for this event for this uh, and i I do have uh, something from the program that I could read you. Industrial Symphony Number no. 1 is a triple exposure dream. A dream of a broken hearted. A dream about floating and falling and rising upwards. When she would sing during each act, when she had her number, nothing much was going on. So I kind of zone out and just listen to her and kind mm. of like put my own uh, images in my own head of what she was saying. Mm -hmm. So I kind of feel like we're looking at David Lynch's version of what he thinks this would be. or But I almost feel this would be something you'd put on in your room and just listen to and it would still make it more depressing. It yeah. is like... <laughs> um, it was a beautiful soundtrack. I mean, uh, musically, it's really good. I mean, it, and and it does have that Twin Peaks feel. So it's a little, it gives you that little uh, twinge of happiness because mm. you're like, oh, that's like a Twin Peaks song. Oh, right. You know, that's like a yeah. kernel of what Twin and Peaks there was, would be. And there was Twin Peaks music. Yeah. I mean, there was music that would go into Twin Peaks. Into Twin Peaks. Like uh, when Michael Anderson comes out with the saw and he's sawing mm -hmm. and the microphone is right up there and you're and to me, it sounded like someone's heart ripping apart. Uh. That's what I got out of that. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, that is what your heart feels like after a breakup. Mm. Like it hurts. And every You've been through this, Brian. Yeah, huh? I was like. <laughs> Do you have a favorite piece, yeah. Francine? Yeah, I think Girl Beautiful. I think just as a concert 
for Julie Cruz. I think the thing is amazing. Mm. She's so talented, and uh, I love all of her songs. I think it, like Into the Night is the one classic, I think, mm-hmm. from Twin Peaks that I always love. It's like this uh, this really serene melody that kind of like lulls you a little bit. And then there's that part at the end where if you're not familiar with the song, it can be kind of abrupt and mm. it can be scary at times. Yeah. And I've heard the song so many times. And I'm like, I know this part's coming up. I know this part's coming up. I'm not going to jump. I'm not going to get scared because <laughs> I know it's happening. And then they changed it. And it was it was the same part, but the, the all these like screeching sounds started happening. <laughs> And it actually caught me off guard, and I uh, it really was pretty scary. And then you see Julie Cruz, who had been swinging through the air like <laughs> you know, like a little porcelain doll, just mm. crashes, and it's it's kind of horrifying. And that yeah. so I thought that was actually a really powerful moment. And of course, I love floating and up mm. in flames, uh, and when the world spins is just a gorgeous, gorgeous song. Oh yeah, when she falls and all that screeching mm-hmm. happens, the one thing I cannot explain. I mean, I don't expect anyone to explain this. This is weird. The deer man. I don't know what the deer man represents. Yeah. On the stilts. That was one thing that I that didn't stand out to me as something that I would say is quote Lynchian. Mm, uh, yeah. That was something I've never seen in anything else he's ever done. I mean, we've seen like some sort of like kind of monstrosity that is somewhat human-like, but somewhat could be like a demon, mm. uh, maybe an eraser head, but uh, but yeah, this is very unique for for anything that Lynch has done that I've seen anyway. Yeah, I mean, it was very bizarre. I couldn't make it. I'm like, what does a deer man represent? And he gets up and he walks, and this is like, is it like the ugliness? What is it? What does it represent? The ugliness or something? I, I just I yeah, couldn't I don't know. put my thumb on that one. Yeah. I have a story though from uh, from the book Lynch on Lynch, where guy who was in these on these stilts, the deer man, he Michael Anderson has lights going on in his yeah. face, and so when he stands up, he actually falls over and falls off the stage. <laughs> this, is the, this, yeah. is the, this is the first performance that they did. The first performance, he fell off, and I don't. He didn't want to go back on, and Lynch had to go to his dressing room and say, "Hey, you're gonna be okay. You've done this before. You, you can do this." And he, he did do it again, but the, he fell off the first time. That he, he, I think, he was just embarrassed that that happened. And yeah, stuff. But, and uh, you're in stilts. That's got to be scary. Yeah, and I think they said, yeah. you know, don't, don't go, don't put lights in his eyes so much yeah. anymore. <laughs> but, uh, I don't know what. It, I know. I was thinking how scary this is, and the whole time when I'm watching Julie Cruz floating up there, I was thinking like. I'm very afraid of heights. I'm like, oh, you know, I, there's always that thing in the back of my mind. Like, I hope they don't fall. And mm. then I, she actually, obviously not her. It's a, a, a double or a, a body uh, that falls. But I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's pretty terrifying. But, it like, is. these kinds of things can happen on stage. And this is uh, well before even, like, the fiasco with Broadway's Spider-Man. All mm. the uh, people who are getting hurt in that oh, show. yeah. yeah. There's a piece that's in Twin Peaks. There's a song called I'm Hurt Bad. In the pilot, Bobby is at Double R, and he's going, he's taking Shelly home, and he's, he's talking to Norma, and he plays in the jukebox. He says, Norma, I'll see you in my dream. Not if I see you first. Don't do anything I wouldn't do. 
think she knows about us. Norma? Hmm. No, fat chance. I think she's hot to try for you herself. Yeah, I love that song. I love that scene, too. Well, it's interesting that there's that weird flirtation between Bobby Briggs and Norma mm. in the pilot episode, but that we never revisit that. It's true. Ever in the show. In the faraway world of Pinky's bubble egg, things changed. Now, what's Pinky? Because Pinky's Dream, on the Lynch vinyl, there's a there's a song, Pinky's Dream. Or, I don't know. So what maybe Pinky's that's referencing yeah. to this. I um, was going to ask you guys that because I I heard him, I heard them say that a couple times, and I wasn't sure exactly. I heard Pinky's, and is he saying Pinky's Bubble Rink? Yeah, or B- Pinky's egg. Bubble I think, I think something? It, I think yeah. it's P- Pinky's Bubble Egg. Yep. Yeah. Egg, bubble egg. And, oh, okay. And then, in yeah, parentheses- I didn't know what that meant, but Pinky is obviously, because Pinky's dream is obviously a ongoing thing mm. with Lynch. Yeah. So it's the track says it's Pinky's, you know, Pinky's bubble egg, and then in parentheses, there's the, the twin spoke. The twin, twin spoke. spoke. Now, I think there are twins. Michael Anderson's character is, is twin A, and then. Andre Badamente, who plays the clarinet, is is twin B. Oh, and now now I don't know what, what the point of that is. They come out and Michael Anderson repeats what we heard from Nicolas Cage and Laura Dern in the yeah. beginning. I'd like to tell you all about a sad dream. It's the dream of the brokenhearted. Where are you? You sound far away. Yeah, well. What's wrong? Listen, I... What is it? I'm taking off, baby. I can't do it no more. Can't do what? What? I guess I'm saying goodbye is what I'm doing. Goodbye? She sobbed. Does that mean you don't love me anymore? I can't. I mean, I gotta go. Well, you're joking with me, ain't you, baby? No, I ain't, sugar. There ain't nothing wrong with you. It's just us I can't handle. I'm saying goodbye. Don't say that. Please, don't go. I can't do it no more. I gotta go. Please. Please. Click. You know, in a breakup, you think about that last conversation. Yeah. And she's reliving it. 
But it, I think it's well, it's better done when Laura Dern and Nicolas Cage do it. When yeah, he does it, it's still kind of fun that he's kind of reenacting that. Yeah, he's re- yeah. And Andrea ba- Badamente, who is the son of Angelo Badamente, mm-hmm. uh, he does the clarinet, and he's do- he's doing the clarinet while uh, Michael J. Yes. Anderson is is saying the poem or yeah. the story. Mm-hmm. So we talk about Michael J. Anderson real quick. He's wearing a red suit, just like the little man from another place in mm-hmm. Twin Peaks, which is interesting. Again, I mean, they would have, if the pilot with the extended uh, version, they already had filmed the Red Room and him talking backwards and that whole thing. So, But it's funny to see, oh, yeah, you remember that piece you did for Twin Peaks? Why don't you dress up in that red outfit again? And You're in another dream. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. I didn't think of that. He's in another dream. Yeah, he's, he's a got dream the hat, man. Though, yeah. 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 And he does walk around with that light bulb on a little wagon. Yeah. Which I didn't get either. It was like, that's yeah. weird. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was funny. I don't know if that symbolized anything, but yeah. it was kind of fun. I'm like, you know what the light, bulb, the light bulb, I'm thinking about it now. It reminded me of sort of like a practical effect, like Wizard of Oz. You hmm. know, when a fairy would just be a, a light. Like, was that light bulb maybe like... A flicker of hope, yeah. or was it representing someone or anything? I don't know. It was just like an odd thing. So this might clear up some stuff about all the stuff that we're talking about. Yes. So this is David Lynch's first live uh, performance, and he ran out of time to do rehearsal. Like he didn't really do a real rehearsal, and so he basically went to each person. It's like, okay, when you see that person, you go do this. Hey, when you see that person doing that, <laughs> go do this. And so he basically was telling everybody just kind of like follow that person there and follow this person and but it wasn't like there was no real time to do real blocking and real rehearsal wow this is like a live art show yeah so a live painting by david lynch right that's pretty amazing and they managed to keep it under at least an hour long at least the film is under an hour right (laughs) yeah julie cruz was put in the trunk which is you know i guess there's symbolism in that maybe you're you're stuck or whatever and then in act eight she gets out of the trunk and it becomes sort of like um, a happy song. I wrote down. It Is this rock like back inside my heart? Yes. Like you, you're almost yeah. like maybe this person could come back to me and everything will be happy again. Is that moment of like maybe there's still hope of us being back together. And I almost that's what that song represented to me. Would have been her thinking about Nicolas Cage's character coming back to her, or maybe she's so she's strong and she realized she doesn't need that guy, and she's she's. She... Well, I would agree, but she's just rocking back into my heart because yeah. I feel like she he was in her heart and she wants to push him out, but she's willing to let him come back. Hmm. You know, it's that moment of weakness. You're like, you know, you shouldn't be with that person that broke up with you, but you're like, well, if they ever if they came back, I would give him a second chance. You know, yeah. you know. I kind of, that's what I got out of that scene anyway. Yep. Well, I think anything, any kind of heartbreak or any kind of grief whatsoever, you're going to go through different phases with yeah. it. Whereas, you know, I think this video, you know, it shows different things as you go through with the music and the action where it's going to be, there's going to be times of absolute sadness. There are going to be times where it's just loneliness, but maybe, maybe a little bit beautiful. There are going to be times when you're angry. Mm. There are times, I mean, I think illustrated with, there's the, 
there's a topless girl who's like kind of like writhing in the uh, metal tower. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. at this point she gets really angry and she's thrashing around. I'm sure mm. there's like anger and maybe in a romantic relationship, the loss is it also leads to sexual frustration and all sorts of other things. So I think that's what a lot of these things represent, uh, yeah. just the feelings that you go through when you go through this kind of heartbreak or grief. Mm. But I love the part I was mentioning, what you mentioned uh, her when she pops out of the, the trunk and all of a sudden there are video cameras on her and it mm. starts looking more like a 90s music video. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But that feels very Lost Highway to me, hmm. um, just a scene in the desert at the very end. Hmm. Um, and but Except this is a little bit more lighthearted, which <laughs> <laughs> is kind of funny. When a lot, that's probably um, one of my favorite scenes of Lost Highway, and like I'm just more on the ending, but that ending where she's basically like, "You'll never have me." And I, I actually think there's a yeah. strong woman that basically is saying like, "Yeah." So this could be a reference, like you guys I, were saying, this could be like a a kernel of an idea that Lynch will use later on in a film. Yeah, you know that's Maybe. really cool. But it's one of the brightest scenes in the yeah, in, it is. in the piece too, because it is kind of a dark piece, and then you have this piece where the televisions and it's pr- it's pretty lit up. Yeah. So Act Nine, after this, there's an I call it the airstrike scene, where mm, yeah. we get to see imagery of power lines and electricity, which is something they hit upon in Firewalk with Me mm. more. Um, and it's weird because you see these fake planes. And there's like shooting and explosions, and then the oddest thing happens: the baby dolls hanging from ropes, like oh. baby dolls. Yeah. And I, I kind of looked at the baby dolls as innocence lost. Maybe I, I that's the only thing I can um, determine. I mean, what do you guys think about the whole baby dolls hanging down? I, I that was the closest thing I could get. I don't anything. know. Innocence Lost. Yeah, I think Innocence Lost, and it kind of goes along with, you know, Julie Cruz just floating around there looking so angelic, you know, maybe maybe even in this case where it ties in, you know, the Lula and Sailor-like characters, maybe it's the loss of a child Ooh, or something, yeah. you know. It could be all those things. Sure, um, that's a good point. Yeah, no, Francine, I think you hit the nail on the head with that because I wasn't thinking about the fact that and Wild at Heart, they were having a child. Mm-hmm. I didn't even think about that, Francine. So you got, the, I mean, uh, I guess like Act 10, um, we get to hear the Twin Peaks theme. It's Julia Cruz. The world spins.
not the theme, but you know what? I actually, I love that song because you know when they play it? Play it right after we've seen Maddie die. Oh, okay. that's right. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. sings it in the, the roadhouse when we come yeah. back to, I think it's Cooper and I think Donna and a bunch of other people are there mm. and everyone, everyone starts crying because there's lots of crying in Twin Peaks. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but I think there's like a, just a sadness in the air that, you know, something has been lost. Yeah. Um, in Twin Peaks, and it, and I it, it transfers over at least for me because I think that scene is so powerful in Twin mm. Peaks, so I get that same feeling when I watch it in Industrial Symphony. Yeah, you're totally right. It's it's the close up of Cooper kind of like lost and saying something has happened, but he doesn't know what's going on, and you have the credits and that's right. that music. That's what I'm thinking yeah. of. Yeah, and that's interesting that you guys say that because I wrote my notes after hearing that song with this whole relationship kind of theme for me anyway I wrote the relationship is over there's no going back to it and some of the lyrics were like please stay love don't go away mm. and that kind of matches with the Twin Peaks yeah. like this feeling of being lost mm. um, and not mm -hmm. knowing what to do and you know like that's very interesting I, the connection there is pretty cool I didn't realize that was played in Twin Peaks there yeah so I think the final battle is sort of like you battle your emotions. That's it. I'm over you. That's mm. the final battle. Right. And then the world spins. It's sort of like tomorrow will be a new day. Yeah. Uh, everything's fine. You'll be, you'll survive. Yeah. You know that. You're going through the steps of a breakup. Yeah. 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 Like mm -hmm. even the song titles kind of to me give me that overall theme. That's what I got of it. I told Ben I was like that was depressing. Aww. I wanted. I thought I'm like I could eat. Uh, I was like I, I was gonna cry and eat some ice cream after watching that. <laughs> Like it was really good though. Like yeah. I um I could listen to that soundtrack and just have my own kind of imagery in my head, you know. Right. It was very well done. And like uh, uh, some of the soundtrack went on to be uh, Julie Cruz's uh, soundtrack, the 1989 Jubilee album Floating Into the Night. <laughs> David Lynch wrote the lyrics. With Angelo, right? Yeah, yeah. With, yeah. I mean, that's very impressive. Uh Francine, have you heard David Lynch's like albums that he puts out like I have. Yes, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, his stuff is really interesting. Oh, it's, um, yes. <laughs> it's out there, right? It's out there, yeah. <laughs> but I think his best work was when he wrote with, like, right, when he's partnered with Angelo and yeah, stuff. It's just amazing so good. stuff. Yeah, they had They had a VHS copy, which I still have the VHS copy, and the only place to get a DVD version of this is the David Lynch Lime Green set. So that's it. This yes, which I have only, I, I was just look, trying to find a copy online, and I, I could only find one for, I think, like, it's like $150. Yeah. So, um, but, but it comes with everything. It's I mean, a lot of things. It's like Blue Velvet, Wild Heart, um, a lot of different things in there, plus a lot of his short films. So, yeah. And I think, I think we talked about Make a good Christmas gift. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. And I think we mentioned on the Wild at Heart uh, show that's the only place you can get the deleted scenes. The quality isn't very good, but that's the only place you can get really all these all these deleted scenes of Wild at Heart. So, I, I do, oh, that's good to know. Yeah, I need to pick it up at some point. But it, yeah, on, on eBay they're like over two hundred dollars. Yeah, I, mm -hmm. I think they need to come out with a Blu-ray version. They need to re-release it. It would be cool to see like a, if someone transferred it to a higher quality. Mm. Would be cool because this was a staged performance. It would be. It would make sense to see it on a big screen. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, I had I had to watch it on my computer, which is fine. But now, Francine, after seeing it again, would you consider <laughs> ever taking anything that you saw and bringing this to one of your shows? Um, I was. I was the thing I was just going to bring up is uh, going back to Rockin' Back Inside My Heart, the Showgirls. 
there's a whole kick line of showgirls. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that something? I didn't, I didn't remember that at all. It comes out of nowhere. It almost reminded me, I don't know if you've seen it, um, the Lady Gaga, Tony Bennett PBS special. Yeah. <laughs> which it features a lot of burlesque performers like Angie Pontani as the main attraction. These are people I know. They got to be in it and they oh, wow. have like these you know big headdresses and they kind of did this great dance, but... I mean, this is obviously a, a weirder version of it, yeah. but it reminded me a lot of that. Um, yeah, I would, thought it was cool that there were some showgirls just, you know, straight up look like Las Vegas showgirls thrown into this. Yeah. Uh, don't know what that symbolized, but right. I I really enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> I could see you doing something like that. Francie, would you do a piece where you're up in the up in, uh, in floating. the sky floating or something like that? Oh. <laughs> oh. Um if we ever do something like this at a venue that has the capability, I would consider it, but I'm really scared of heights. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that would be scary, huh? I would I would only do it if David Lynch himself asked me to do something like that. I there would consider go. it. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah. Wait, uh, other, of, otherwise, I'm going to be sticking to the floor. <laughs> and I think about Wild at Heart. Um, when Cheryl Lee there was afraid of heights. But she didn't tell David Lynch because you know they actually had to put her up in a crane there yeah. to be a Gwen, oh, yeah. the good witch there. Yeah. But it's funny to think that like she didn't say Lynch. Oh yeah, I'm afraid of it. <laughs> I'll do anything. <laughs> I'll do anything. Sure. So Francine, you've been really busy. Do you want to share what you've been up to? I mean, you've been you, you you've been working on your movie, and there was a recent uh, festival that you went to or you were involved with. Yes. Yeah, I'm so excited. Um, we we uh, showed a. Um, a- a cut of a David Lynch movie, which is a short film uh, featuring a music video starring Schaefer the Dark Lord. Um, which you directed. We, uh, we showed it. Yes, I directed it, um, wrote, directed, shot uh, with the help of uh, Amy Grumbling and um, edited it. So, uh, yeah, it was at the Coney Island Film Festival a few weeks ago and had a great response. So I'm really excited about that. Awesome. And uh, we've been doing an Indiegogo campaign because I'm trying to uh, recoup some of the expenses and also try to get it into some other film festivals so more people can see it. Nice. So that's awesome. what uh, I've been working on. Uh, and then the next thing for us is we're doing the Miss Twin Peaks pageant, which is going to be on uh, Mark this in your calendars, January 21st this year. Very cool. Wow. Or next year, yeah. <laughs> 2017. I awesome. feel like... You just had one I know. last January, right? <laughs> yeah, right. I yeah. know. It seems like yesterday, right? Oh I won. God. I keep forgetting. I won. I missed Twin Peaks. There you go. Yes. I keep for, I keep forgetting. I need to wear my tiara more often. Uh. Do you think you're going to win again? <laughs> no, I I don't think so. Uh. I, I, I that's I think that's against the rules. Two uh. years in a row. Yeah, yeah, that can't. <laughs> no, is it a surprise? Uh, what the theme is going to be, or what you're going to character you're going to be? Um, that's going to be a surprise. Yeah. I will say this, that we are going to mix it up a little bit this year. So people who have seen it, uh, we're still going to have, you know, your fan favorite characters and all that, but they're going to be new performances and some new surprises. So I'm really excited to put that together. Cool. Awesome. Francine, overall, uh, how did you enjoy this film? Jeez, I, re- I actually really enjoyed it. Um, I mean, my, my favorites are like Twin Peaks and Wild Heart, Blue Velvet. Mm, yeah even Lost Highway, Mulholland Drive. Um, but it's definitely worth watching. And the thing that I did learn from it, I, I tend to be very much like a purist when it comes to David Lynch's work. Like I feel mm. like the themes from Lost Highway, in my mind, are, are very different from Twin Peaks. When I think of like Chevron and the Black Lodge, like mm. I wouldn't, if like say I was pr- putting on a show, I probably wouldn't wear 
anything Chevron in a Lost Highway show because I think mm-hmm. those themes are totally different. Yeah. But I'm starting to see now, like, everything that Lynch does is linked, and I kind of feel like a lot of the things he's done are all sort of in the same universe, especially with this one where it's it's an obvious mashup of things he shot for Wild at Heart and things that he was working on for Twin Peaks. And then, and I really, truly believe there's some Lost Highway stuff going on there, in mm-hmm. there too. So yeah. um, I think all of his ideas are like constantly evolving. And even though we see a lot of the same themes, I think this is a good thing to see because it's, I feel like you really get in David Lynch's head in this one. He's not trying to create an obvious plot in this. He doesn't have to because it's mm. such a yeah. different type of movie. It's a stage performance. So it's, it's more based on the music, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Like, I never knew this existed until Ben told me about it. Yeah, it's like a, a montage, this collection of the, all these things that will somehow turn into different things later on. Yeah. And that's why I love watching an artist grow. Mm-hmm. And with Lynch, you can mm-hmm. start from the beginning and go to the end, and you just see where all these ideas went. Right. And it's so cool. And I'm watching them all out of order. Yeah. But even in my head, I'm piecing it together. And this really to me, would be like, if you're a, a David Lynch fan, this is something, like, you got to see. Because you're right, it just has yeah. all those elements that will become something bigger later yeah. on. Exactly. Yeah, and I think I heard someone else talking about this recently. Uh, they were actually talking about Mulholland Drive. Because mm. I, I think Mulholland Drive is the one piece that, like, everyone tries to, like, you know, break down and, and pick apart and try to understand. And I think the best way to understand that movie is to watch all of David Lynch's other stuff because mm. then you start seeing these themes and you can kind of like piece it together because it, it really is. And David Lynch himself always talks about, you know, the language of film and he, ha- yeah. he definitely has his own, uh, <laughs> <language>. I guess, dialect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it really is its own language. Uh-huh. Um, you know, he, or he uses tropes from, you know, classic films and all mm. that. Uh, neo-noir or the noir aesthetic but yeah it's cool to see everything he's done and how this all ties into it so this is definitely i would say if, if you're a lynch fan I, I would not i wouldn't recommend this to someone who has not seen much yeah. work by david lynch but if, if they've seen a few things and are into it i would say definitely watch and I would also say, David Lynch, when are you going to do Industrial Symphonies number two? <laughs> <laughs> right, why call him number one? Yeah. I, I would like to come. Now that I'm old enough to go out in New York City, <laughs> I would like to go to the next live version of this. That would be cool. Yeah, it would be really cool, yeah. yeah this, was, this was kind of obscure, and it's so hard to, to get a hold of it because it's VHS, but I thought, hey, this would be fun for us all to get on the show and talk about it, especially with the Wild at Heart and Twin Peaks elements of it, that it yeah. would be fun just to... I don't think many people have really talked about this piece. No, it was something like, I mean, I honestly didn't even think of it until, I mean, we actually, there is a reference to this in um, a David Lynch movie, my my short film, uh, but I hadn't really thought about it until you guys men- mentioned and asked me to be on this podcast, so thank you for uh, giving me an excuse to watch this again. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and do you want to talk a little bit more about your movie? I mean, like, there seems to be elements of all of Lynch's work in this, right? You have different characters throughout. Yeah, yeah. Shape of the Dark Lord, who hosts many of the Pink Room shows, wrote uh, a rap called a David Lynch movie same name and he does it at all of our shows and it's wonderful and it's there it's really funny and mm. it's dark and has lots of lynchian references in it itself so we wanted to do a music video that its own complete film but also throws in a ton of david lynch references and we tried to put in as many as possible 
Um, but considering we, we were actually going to make like a three and a half minute music video and it has now turned into a 20 minute short film, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. you know, we, we try to put in as much as possible, but we obviously don't want this to be a three hour long film. So yes. I think we did a pretty good job of covering most everything. Yeah. I think Lynch fans will, will be really excited about it. From a small town, but it's filled with secrets. Happy like a sad clown, deeply steeped in regret. Headlights, yellow light, flying on the highway. Stoplight swinging in the night, guiding my way. I say, could this really be? Or was it all a dream? Is there any meaning in between these creepy scenes? I just shrug and scratch my head. I guess I'm always left with guesses. None of the people mad at me can seem to answer questions. There are very long pauses in the dialogue, and I spy a very pretty girl. I'm pretty sure she's gonna die. It's like it's night. All the time, get in the car My life's a David Lynch movie Which I'm the star If anyone wants to follow, uh, it's David Lynch Movie is on Twitter um, or you can look up A David Lynch Movie is on Facebook as well and you can find uh, links to the trailer there very cool. Um, but yeah, check it out. There's, it's a, I think it's a 30 second trailer Um but yeah, it, you can hear the song online, and um, yeah, I think people will enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> Thank you, Francine. I think it's been wonderful to have you on. And uh, I don't know what are we going to do next. I don't know. What we'll have for you. We'll have to have you on again. But uh, yeah, it's cool that we've gotten to do uh, the Miss Twin Peaks uh, show. Twin Peaks show. We've got to do Wild at Heart. I know. It's so great. I, I've had a lot of fun talking to you guys. So thanks for having me back. I'll come back anytime. So thank you, Francine, for being on today's show. You can check us out at Twin Peaks Unwrapped on Twitter. And on Facebook. Yes, and we're getting likes like crazy. See yeah. what I did there? We're getting likes like, like crazy. crazy. Um, so thank you for everybody who's liking us and commenting on Facebook and Reddit. Reddit, we, I love you. Uh, Reddit is, being, is super awesome. The Twin Peaks community and Reddit is amazing. They've embraced us, Ben. So awesome. I feel like we have a nice home there right now. Thank you again to Silencio for their music. And you can email us at twinpeaks at gmail.com. And Ben, I guess that's our show. Love, don't go away. Industrial Symphony Number no. 1 or The Dream of the Brokenhearted. It's, it's, uh, it's about a, uh, a broken heart. We were commissioned by Brooklyn Academy of Music to put a work together for the opening premiere of their uh, new wave musical festival that they do every year and they wanted us to do the the first show uh, David and I to produce and write we told him about this thing that we were working on called industrial symphony number no. one and I guess just the name and the the idea of it uh, got them going and they said we want th- that thing and um so then I got off the phone, and Angela and I looked at each other, and, we, you know, all we really had was uh, the name, Industrial Symphony Number 1. So we had to get to work. Certain uh, words need certain sounds, and, uh, and, and that's how we kind of started. Um, Angela would interpret, you know, these words, and um, a kind of a feeling or a mood started growing. And then later on you say, well, we've got three songs that are have this kind of feeling, and the word floating, you know, came up uh, and the word night and and um 
and it was all kind of uh, uh, dreamy. It starts with a film clip. There's many, many, many things that have to happen at certain times within it, even though a lot of it is, you know, pre-recorded. And uh, it was like uh, very, very tense because there were a couple thousand people uh, in the audience for two shows, and we only had um, a day and a half to install the entire set, rehearse everything, and, and uh, you know, get it all, you know, worked out to this, you know, kind of like precise way that has to be when you, you know, go and before the public. When you do something, uh, you do it, you know, like as, as good as you can, and then you you, you, know, you have to uh, leave it up to fate from then on. And it's uh, sometimes things don't work out so well, and then sometimes uh, things work out, you know, really well, like in, in Twin Peaks.